Hello, everyone. Thanks again if you're listening to the podcast. Last week, we uh, had my first interview with James Smith. So if you listen to that one, it was fantastic. He, he dove into a lot of information. Uh, but this week, I'm really, really excited because I've got Bobby Edwards. Uh, Bobby Edwards is from New Jersey. He grew up uh, there and essentially won two national championships in soccer uh, in high school. He then went on to play Division One soccer at three schools, three different schools, that is right. Played <laughs> uh, five summers, semi-professional, and then managed to get his first professional contract uh, in 2019, so last year in Northern Ireland, and has now just recently joined FC Cincinnati, who is in the MLS, which is the top league in America. Um, so, Bobby Edwards, thank you very much, firstly, for taking the time of, uh, out of your very busy schedule. Um, and, and, yeah, I'm excited to, to sort of have a conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's fantastic to be here. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, uh, for you, Lofty, absolutely any time we come on here. Yeah, love it. Well, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight into it. I, I feel like I've been super lucky because we scheduled a call for Thursday and last night, you, you actually had your very, very first debut for FC Cincinnati. So um, I'm over the moon for you. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Uh, you won the game 2-1 uh, against the Columbus crew. Uh, so, yeah, talk to me a, lot, a little bit about that. You must be on cloud nine right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was remarkable, man. I mean, uh, there's, it's tough to put into words just how special it was. You know, there's, there's parts of uh, your career that you know when they happen they will be a part of, um, you know, your memories and something you'll cherish for the rest of your life. And for me, yesterday was 100% that. Um, it's just the way it worked out. You know, um, in the game before yesterday, I was the third choice goalkeeper. Um, and then things happened and both uh, my other two uh, goalkeeping, you know, partners, they got they got injured. Um, so then it was my turn to hop in nets. And the coaching staff has been fantastic for me. Uh, they've believed in me and, you know, they've definitely been strong, um, you know, confidence behind, you know, what I've been trying to accomplish. So there's no doubt, you know, me hopping in, they were comfortable with it. And, you know, it's, it's a remarkable story. You know, that's, uh, you know, for FC Cincinnati, Columbus Crew is their big rival. Um, and they've been a good team this year and we've struggled. So to, to win is, you know, a very, very big thing for this entire club and to, have it be my debut against the rival and to win at home. Um, you know, it's just a, a fairy tale story. You know, it doesn't really get much better than that. So definitely enjoying the, uh, doing the vibes for now. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's brilliant. And touch on, on how you felt and your mindset. Firstly, when you, you heard that you were going to get the start and then actually when you were on the field and it, you know, the game was about to kick off. Yeah. I mean, I was, incredibly nervous like the nerves were were really bad to be honest um and not to say that i've always been nervous my entire career but i've had you know a lot of performance anxiety when it comes to my play you know um throughout long parts of my career that's kind of how it's always been especially in debuts those are always the worst um but you know as the game goes on it it's going to start and it's going to end and that's kind of what i was telling myself and Everything in between that, you'll just kind of get the flow of it. When you've been playing a game for so long, it, it is just second nature at a certain point. Um, but yeah, leading up to it, you know, 
it all happened real quick because Spencer got injured the day before uh, the game in training. And, and, and first, tell, tell, tell the audience who Spencer is. Uh, Spencer Ritchie. He's, uh, Spencer Ritchie was the starter last year for our club. He's a fantastic goalkeeper. He's an American. Uh, he came from the University of Washington, but had gone through the residency program here in the United States and has, um, has played you know, a number of years in both the MLS and a couple of years in the USL as a younger keeper. But he was on trial with Crystal Palace last year, and like he's a, truly a phenomenal keeper. Um, and then I'll refer to him as TT, but every time I say TT, that's Shemishwav Titon, um, a Polish international who played in the Euros, uh, saved a pen in the Euros, actually, and um, he's, a, he's a fantastic goalkeeper as well. So they've been battling out for the number one spot this year uh, with TT um, starting most of the games this year. Um, but both of them are fantastic for me. Um, but yeah, so TT had gotten injured in the last game with his knee. Um, and then Spencer had uh, his back um, lock up on him the day before training. And just how it happens quick. I, I didn't really think, honestly, Spencer was going to be out of the game. I kind of just thought it was just a little minor issue. But that's how those things go. So you got to be ready. And, you know, it was crazy how quick it moved. But definitely just a surreal experience. Yeah, no, that is. And, and so, uh, you know, that's something that I want to touch on is uh, this time, almost this time last year or a year and three months ago, uh, you were playing semi-professional soccer uh, in South Carolina. That's how we, you know, we met. We were, um, you know, on the same team. And, um, and then a year and three months later, you're suddenly in the MLS. And so I, I'm interested to to really dive into that story, but also... Uh, how your mindset has maybe changed and what you've learned just in that that short amount of time that's happened so quickly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's as crazy to you as it is to me that like I am in the MLS and I just made my debut last night and I was playing, you know, down South Carolina just over a year ago. I mean, it, it's moved incredibly fast, um, but there's a lot of rhyme and reason to why that's happened. You know, my experience that I gained while working down in South Carolina with the Panthers was invaluable. Um, you know, that was really the very beginning of, um, you know, where it started to take off. I, I experienced um, success there and then it was continued success. So it was steady. And, you know, as the season began there, you know, we were doing well and we were doing well and I was playing well. And then the next game, it was consistently playing well. And I was piecing together a steady string of performances and to be honest, through that entire time, I am super nervous and super anxious. And every game, I'm like, oh, is it all going to come falling apart the same? Um, but then slowly, you start to build that confidence. Um, and then you realize that you can hold your own there. Um, and so it was remarkable. And from there, going obviously onto Northern Ireland was another big jump. And it was a jump that I was, again, super anxious for. And when I first got there, I remember watching one of the games um, before I had like started to train with the team and being like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And then we got in there and it was just a matter of a couple of days before I started just flying. And, you know, it was remarkable. Well, we can get more into it later. But again, I experienced a lot of success there with, you know, us winning the league and it was just kind of a steady pathway, but it's been um, a journey and it's taken me a lot of different places and it has changed my way I, I view things. Um, but the biggest thing that has changed is just the way that I approach the controllable factors of right now. So as much as I'd love to think about my future and think about everything that I want to do, 
I can only control what I'm doing in this moment right now. And what I can do right now to set me up for that is what I need to worry about. If I start to think about what's down the line for me, I will event inevitably get caught up uh, at the now. So for, for my latest mental strength, it's just been focusing on the now. And, and you, you, you've touched on that. You said in the, in the past, you used to focus on the future a lot. Was that sort of long-term goals sort of every day you were thinking, right, I need to be here. And, and why did that hold you back? Why did that not help you? Why do you think that didn't help? Yeah, for sure. I think that it was always a young thing of mine, you know, and it's a weird way that the American system works because you go from high school and then you go to college and you try to go to division one and then division one, you go to try to go to pro and you want to map it out and to, you know, have control to have control of anything is comfort. And so especially one thing to have control of your future, it's comforting. Um, the reality is you can't have control of your future. Your future is going to take you in whichever way it goes. Um, so you need to be comfortable with not having that control. When I was younger, the, the position of a goalkeeper is very similar to losing control because it is a position by nature where you are skating this fine line of success and failure at all times. And like, you've got to be an adrenaline junkie because you're chasing that in between the highs and the lows. Um, and for me, you can't control every single thing when you're playing a game of football. Like you need to be able to accept the fact that things aren't always going to go your way. You've got to be able to. And when I was trying so hard to control every little detail, um, when things would go wrong and when things wouldn't go to plan, it would almost seem like things would spiral for me. You know, things would be like, Oh, it's all falling apart. Look at this. And like, I've lost control. But if you're accepting the fact that you never really had control and you're just kind of going on this journey and letting it take you where it wants and being okay with that, then you don't necessarily ever lose control because you were never in the control to begin with. So that's been like a big philosophy for me moving forward. And it's, it's gotten me thus far. And I think uh, I'll just keep using it and see how far it takes me. So, so do you have a plan day to day? Do you have, um, you know, is it, is it really short term, uh, the, the goals that you set? Do you have still a couple of, you know, long-term goals I, I, from, from people that I've spoken to, even from experiences that I've had, I, I still feel like it's good to have these long-term goals in place. So go a little bit deeper into that. For sure. And absolutely. I'm not trying to say that it's not good to have long-term goals because of course it is, you know, I, I mean, in terms of myself, I absolutely, you know, I want to be a starting goalkeeper. I don't want to be a backup keeper. Nobody gets into this to be a backup. And these are things that I do want to attain at some point. You know, I want to have a long and successful career at the highest level I can and, and to go and experience success. Um, but for me, it's more or less um, the ability to how we're going to get to these goals. And like you you could have told me last week that I was going to make my MLS debut yesterday and I would have laughed in your face. And like, that's the reality of life is that these things, the way that they happen are always going to be absurd and unexpected. So a goal of mine was to eventually make my MLS debut. That was a hundred percent a goal. And it was a goal that I wanted, but I never was really caught up in the timing of it. I was never really caught up in like, by the end of this year, I want to have an MLS debut. I want to do this and that. Because for me, that puts almost like constraints onto the goal in terms of then your goal becomes something that you can fail, where I feel like the goals that I set for myself, I want them to be free and ability to chase them and be okay with arriving at them at whenever I do, but just know that I'm steadily 
getting closer to them. So like in terms of my goal to debut, had I not debuted yesterday and had I not debuted any point this season, I wouldn't have seen that as a failure because I would have looked back to where I was when I first got here and then compared myself to keep where I am now and see that growth, see how much I've improved and see how much closer I am to eventually debuting. So it's all a matter about not getting to the goal, but like enjoying your process to the goal. Yeah. And that is one big thing that um, a lot of people get tied up with is they want this success very quickly. Uh, they, they're often, you know, thinking about the future, they're caught up on it and, and, and it can really take away from your current situation, kind of, and it can make you feel a bit, you know, some, sometimes even depressed, you know, mm -hmm. because you, you might seem so far away from that goal. Uh, it might look like a mountain that you're trying to climb. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think having emphasis on that is, is huge. So, you know, going, going, uh, touching on some, some other aspect as well, uh, where, you know, you spoke to me about sort of marrying, uh, yourself to an identity and obviously soccer has been your whole life. And I know that you, your family have been very successful goalkeepers as well, uh, extremely successful, um, so talk to me about, you know, getting married to an identity, you know, with you, it's soccer. There are people out there that, you know, uh, are full-time married to a, a business. There are people that are uh, married and, and spending their whole life dedicated on other sports. What are you doing at the moment? Uh, and what's your, you know, uh, perspective on this? Yeah. And I mean, this is something that, especially in the last like year, has been something that I've really worked on, really thought about. And kind of had this introspective, you know, realization as to there's good and bad in this. And the idea is I've been a goalkeeper my entire life. Um, and that's fantastic. I love this sport. I love this position. Um, but if you were to ask, if I were just to meet you today and you asked me to describe myself to you, I would struggle to not have the first thing out of my mouth be, I am a soccer player. I am a goalkeeper because I have linked my identity with this sport that I love so closely where it almost feels as though we are synonymous, like these things are interchangeable. Um, and that, although might seem like not a big deal on the surface, it actually is because you are much bigger than just the sport, just the position. You know, there's a lot more that makes me than just the goalkeeper. Although it is a big piece of my life and I love that life, I want to make sure that I know that there's an identity of me that's not necessarily married to this, this game. And like I said before, this position is a very volatile one in terms of there's extreme highs and there's extreme lows. And when you link your identity into a position that has such a volatile nature, you will see these highs and lows affect you much deeper and much harder than if you were to just be your own person. So when I say I try to distance myself between the two, you know, it's just a matter of making sure that my happiness, the person I am, isn't invested into how I'm doing as a goalkeeper, because I don't want to live a life where I'm only happy and I'm only feeling content and fulfilled and like that I have self-worth if I'm doing well on the field, um, because that's just a toxic lifestyle. Because then, you know, if, if I'm not doing well, I don't want to feel like I'm going out to training, you know, I've, and I've felt that way before. It's like I'm going to training and when I'm playing, I'm not just training, I'm fighting for my life. Like I'm fighting for my identity. I'm fighting for who I am as a person, my self-worth. And that's a dangerous thing to do. So shifting away from that and being your own person outside the game is something that like 
is been a very big part of me. So I've definitely tried to shift into that kind of uh, narrative as of late, and it's it's working well. Yeah, it's it's a. I'm really glad you touched on that because even for myself and and friends that I've had, um, often you know, fortunately for yourself, you you've managed to continue playing soccer and you've you've realised it uh, recently. But <clears throat> for me, I continue. You know, I, I finished playing college soccer. I was then coaching soccer, and I got to this point where, again, it was all soccer. It was all <laughs> all soccer related. And I was thinking, right, what else do I do I do what else can I do like I've got more sort of about me and so I you know I, I try and branch out I try to to read I tried playing the guitar failed it um but you know try trying different things and and I think for a lot of uh college players and college students as well who come out of or even just younger people who come out of playing a sport all their life um you know, have to have to think about finding that balance, finding part of something else as well, that they have these other interests, uh, they have more about them. So it's like you said, it's not just this, this, and you know, it's not just soccer, it's not just this, this sport. Um, because if that does go wrong, then it can lead to, to very bad um, things happening mentally. Um, so what else, you know, what else do you do you like doing? Uh, what, what have you tried to focus on? Um, apart from the soccer, the goalkeeping. Yeah, and I mean, 100%. And it, it's a very fine line because I don't want the message to be, oh, I need to get away from soccer because I genuinely love this game. I love everything about it. I love watching it. I love studying it. And I'm a student of the game. And that's not a bad thing by any means. You know, it, it's, it's not a matter of I have to love this game any less. It's more of a matter of I need to make sure I am also my own person. So for me, I've also come to the realization, which is such a weird thing to start thinking about these things in my very first year at the, the professional level and, and in terms of, you know, where I am for the MLS is I will someday, whether it's by my own choice or not, stop playing. You know, it's inevitable that everyone will retire at some point. And so what I wanted to do after that was going to be, it was an uncomfortable thing to think about. It still really is because when you are so ingrained into this pattern of this is what it is it's like, that seems like another life. Like that seems like something that's so crazy because for anyone that listens and that is a, um, you know, a, a regular soccer player is somebody that knows that every day they've played since they were kids, you know, they play club, they play high school, they do all this. And so then one day come where it's like, you don't do that anymore. It's like, hold on. That's like insane to think about. Um, for me, most recently I've gone, I, I started my grad school in my fifth year at Mount St. Mary's. And then I put it on hold when I went to Northern Ireland uh, and I went to go get my master's in sports management. Um, and then I always was talking about, you know, going back to finish that. Um, but with, with everything going on in the world, they've shifted the program online. So that was my opportunity where I said, listen, right, this is the time to go back, finish my degree and to make sure we get my master's because when the time comes where I want to retire, I want to be able to transition into something else that's fulfilling and that gives me the same satisfaction as playing does. Um, and I want to be able to make that jump immediately. I don't want to have to go back to school. I want to do this flawlessly. And it's also not a matter of finding something where it's going to be like, oh, I love this just as much as soccer, because like, that's not necessarily realistic. It's not like the same thing. You can't compare them like that, but you need to have that sense of passion and excitement for your work. So, you know, for me right now, when I wake up, I'm excited to go to the facility. I'm excited to go train and do these things and when I retire and I go into the next phase of life 
I want to be able to do something that I'm excited about. And that doesn't mean it has to be outside soccer. It doesn't mean I have to switch it up completely. It just means that I need to know I'm able to feel that same passion about something that I have for soccer. So what, what would you say if, if people are feeling trapped and they're, they're waking up and they're, they're not excited about their job, they're not excited about what they're doing, you know, what, what do you sort of advise for those people? What, what words of wisdom would you pass on? Yeah. And that's a super hard question because like, <laughs> I've heard so many different answers to that where it's like, do something you love. And like all these generic answers where it's like, right, well, that's great, but I have bills to pay. I have to feed myself. Like I can't just quit my job. And that's true. So I'm not some advocates like just go quit your job and go try to find something that you enjoy. It's like, no, no, you have to be realistic here. So I would obviously say like, I always like to work in small, in small details of things. So in, in the day, whether it's a hobby or whether there's small things in your work that you focus on, begin with those and just try to find the happiness in them and then see what you don't like. So you can kind of categorize what is working for you and what you might like and then what you don't like. And then start to try to map out some sort of way for you to expand on what you are liking and to cut out the things you don't like. And whether that's beginning to try to shift away into something else or if that's just trying to maybe go into a whole other career path slowly, you know, it's something that's obviously not one size fits all. Yeah, um, but it's, that's brilliant. It sounds like you know you're not making a big rash decision, right? You know, you're trying to break it down, figure it out slowly, look at what you can do, and then you know look at maybe a smooth transition. Or oh, I've actually fixed this problem that I have now. A hundred percent, and I mean that's one of those things that like, you know, you never want to make anything too rash. You never want to do anything because you could go be like. I want to do this and have one day where you're like, I'm so excited to go do this whole new thing. And then you do it for a couple of days and you're like, Oh my God, what have I done? Like, this is not what I wanted. Um, so yeah, you just want to try to focus on the little things and, and to continue to see what is bringing you that happiness, the contentness, the things that you do want from life and to how can we bring more of that out? Brilliant. So I want to touch on on Cincinnati a little bit more. And obviously, you know, for, for some of the listeners, they might not actually know much about soccer. So uh, one thing that I want to say about the MLS is I think everyone knows David Beckham. <laughs> so I thought, right, if you know David Beckham, David Beckham played five seasons in the MLS. And I think that just sums up uh, the level and, uh, and also the, the growth as well that America have had with uh, the MLS as well, and soccer in general. Um, but I know you touched on how uh, since you've been there, you, you've been wanting to be the first in to train in, the first there, and the last out. Um, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, you nailed it right on the head. Um, for me, that's always been a core principle of who I am as a player, as somebody that I will never get outworked. Um, when I was a kid, I was never the best in the state or anything I was never a big shot I was always kind of you know in the middle of the pack uh, on a lot of things and it was never really a lot of the coaches would never have seen me as to going as far as I have um, but their one thing that I was always better at than anyone else was my work ethic my ability to dedicate my time to be obsessive almost the borderline obsessive about perfecting things and making sure that I'm doing as much as I possibly can. And that's been a, a character trait in everything for me in life because the idea of living with regrets, the idea of living with something that I didn't give my best effort and now I know I will never know how much I could have been or how good I could have been is something that haunts me. So 
in terms of training, yeah, like I am always the first one there and I'm almost always the last to leave. And that's because I'm getting in early to do my treatment to make sure I got my routine. I'm feeling good for, for training and that I've got everything I need to do before, before we head on the field. And then while I'm after the session ends, I'm always in the gym because I'm a third string goalkeeper. There's ground to make up. I can't be putting in the same workload that the first, the starter is and expect to get the same results. I mean, when you're in, when you're in third place in a race, you don't keep running at the same speed that the why that's winning the race is you have to push yourself harder. It's just the reality. So this year has been a dramatic shift in me, a lot to do with the amazing people at the club, but then also just the work ethic and the ability to have them meet me halfway because when I'm bringing the work ethic and then they're there to help support me, I've seen just such a change in growth just in my play and the person I am and just in my physical presence, I am just a completely different person than just a year ago. So that's just kind of been my, my approach this season. And I, I can uh, I can back you with what you're saying with your your work rate. Obviously, we work together at the Bantams in South Carolina, the semi-professional team. And um, I remember as a coaching part of the coaching staff, we were talking, and there was a question once where it was like, right, who you know who's going to go pro from this team? Who would be your number one choice? And uh, and to be honest, we all we all said you, we all said Bobby, and uh, and part of it again is. There were that, that was a group of huge talent and there were so many quality players. But again, it, it came down to the mindset that you have as well. Um, leading other people, other players was, was a huge aspect. Um, and so what, what I want to touch on is what have you seen? What's the differences in mindsets that you've seen at Cincinnati, the players at Cincinnati, the players in Northern Ireland, the professionals there? the semi-professional teams that you've been playing on and even the college levels, like what are you seeing the differences between each level? Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic question. And there's obviously many different things that you can nitpick, but the overall, the biggest thing at each level is just the room for error in terms of what you're allowed. So when we're in college, you know, it, obviously everyone wants to compete and everyone wants to succeed and it's, it's a high level, but there's, way more room for error than there is the pro level because you're playing in college you know these aren't professional athletes these are collegiate these are guys that are going to class full-time um and the talent pool isn't necessarily as high um and then as the steps go up you obviously have the bantams at the semi-professional level and that's a collection of some of the best talented college guys but again that same wiggle room where you're not being paid you obviously want to succeed you want to you know push yourself and do as well as you can and then you get into the professional levels and that was the first time where this was a, a big shift for me, which was a little overwhelming at first, where I've always wanted to do well because everybody wants to do well. They want to succeed. That's, that's part of just human DNA. But for the first time, when I got to the professional level, it's not only that I want to succeed. It's like, this is my livelihood. This is how I make money. This is how I sustain myself. If I fail to do well, then the way I live is getting put at risk. You know what I mean? So this this extra pressure of, you know, everything's to fight for. And while I love my team, everybody recognizes that same thing, that they've got things to prove and that there is no real, you know, room to make errors. There's no room for mistakes. You need to be on your game. You know, in college, if you have an off day, you know, once a week, it gets brushed under the rug because you might be good enough and, you know, you're still the star player. But if you're on the pro level and you're having a bad day once a week, people are going to just start to think that you're not worth it and that you're not going to be able to, to pull your own. So, 
it's uh it's definitely you know a high pressure environment but that's just the nature of the sport and that's why you see such growth and development especially for myself it's because it's like getting thrown into a pool with no floaties on trying to learn how to swim it's like you're either going to sink you're going to swim so uh you got to kind of figure it out but yeah that's definitely my opinion on it but it, it seems like every single day every single day matters where in college, yeah, you might have that one day where you're resting, you're not doing anything, or that one day where you go out and drink, or if you're, yeah, this, you know, the semi-professional level, there's, again, a few more mistakes, there's a few more distractions, but if you really want to be the best, if you want to go to the top, every single day matters. 100%, and, like, that's just been the mindset that I've had to have this year, and just shifting and I've always been a professional player. I've always handled, it wasn't like I went professional. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, now I'm going to be a professional. I've, like, that's what kind of separates the guys that make it is that mindset that they have from a young age. But, you know, as you learn and as you grow, you see the things that you need to improve upon. And like, that's been a big thing for me this year is like, you need to do not shy away from your areas of weakness. Those are the things. So for me, this year has been the ball at my feet, using my left foot, uh, you know, my distribution, comfortable on the ball like when I stay after training with the other guys and other keepers I'm working on just pinging the ball off my left foot like I won't touch the ball off my right and when I came in my left foot was all right wasn't great but now I am consistently pinging balls 40 50 yards with my left foot no problem just because we're staying we're putting in the work and that's a weakness so that's just the biggest change between the professional and the amateur level brilliant um you talked that's right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, is that USA calling you after your debut? Nah, I wish it was. This is my goalkeeper coach, but I'm just gonna tell him I'm gonna podcast. Don't worry about me, keep going. <laughs> um, so you, you you talk about uh being an asset off the pitch and how valuable you know you you would you basically take that on. Um go into that a little bit more. Uh in terms of the debut and stuff. Sorry, you're like being an asset, like being oh, an asset. Oh, being an asset, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, for that is what I believe the most underrated piece of a professional, of any kind of, of athlete, but is the intangible um, value that you bring to a club or an organization. Uh, so, you know, everybody wants to focus on skill and how well you are in terms of talent, which, of course, while that is incredibly important, you need to be good. There also is a clear in distinction of, you need to be valuable to the team in terms of the culture, in terms of representing the club, in terms of the, you know, just overall community that you're trying to, to create in that locker room. Uh, so for me, especially someone this year where I've been, you know, the third choice, I'm not necessarily someone that's seeing the field all that much. Uh, my role is definitely shifted into making sure that I am a good team guy. So I always try to, to do the little things like, when we're coming off the fields, I help clean up the balls. You know, I make sure that everything is tidied up. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm a good teammate to everybody that needs help, you know, whether I'm pushing the guys around me to be better, but I'm also making sure that whatever can be done of me is done for the betterment of the team. I'm not trying to be a selfish guy that's looking for my own interests uh, because in terms of success, individual success will almost always be linked to team success. And while you, of course, individually want to do well, if your team does well, you will also experience success. And that's something that I've learned very quickly. Um, and so focusing on giving yourself, um, giving the best for your team will always pay back in terms of your own self as well. 
Yeah, I think that's such an important message, and especially for uh, yeah people that are still in college competing, for people that are even working in organizations and businesses, being a team player, helping other people out is always going to help, um, you know, just get more success as a team, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, like you even saw that firsthand with with South Carolina and stuff. I mean, that was a collection of guys that were really selfless and giving of themselves and of somebody who wanted to put the team first. There was no real individual superstars in that team. It was just a collection of guys that were fighting for it. Like, and it was a it was a summer team and it was an incredibly high level. But you could feel that passion when we played Tormenta, our big rival team. There was that fight, and you could feel there was a representation of pride and something that something else to fight for. Um, albeit we had just been playing together for less than a month. You know, that was a special thing. And that's what you need in order to experience success. So, Bobby, how, how important is it to be coachable, to be a coachable player, to be a coachable person? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you won't make it unless you're coachable is the biggest thing. You know, there is maybe... 1% of all professional players who are just on such an unbelievable level that maybe they can get away with being uncoachable. But I can assure you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are not that player. Um, you, they, these are beyond the superstars. Um, to be coachable is, is what will get you a contract. If you feel, if the coaches feel as though their message and what they're trying to say is getting through to you and they're seeing improvements and when they're telling you something and you're going out and implementing that into your game, you become valuable in their eyes. You can, they can see a future for you. They can see potential and you all of a sudden become so much more valuable. If you're not, if everything that you're being told is not getting through to you and you're not showing signs of listening and showing that you're taking what's being said and working it into your own game, you limit the potential in their eyes for your future because they just don't see anything. You know, they don't see you changing. They don't see you getting better. So if you are coachable, then you've got all the potential in the world. If you aren't, then your career just won't last very long. Yeah. And I, you know, I love how you use coaches, which is obviously the first thing a lot of people are going to think about is right. You know, I'm going to get information from my coach. I'm going to get information, let's say from my manager and my boss, but also like sometimes I remember getting, um, you know, you, whether that's constructive criticism or abuse from teammates as well. And, and sometimes if you recognize that a few people are, are saying something about you, then, you know, often that's probably going to be true. And, and I think sometimes it can take a lot for someone to uh, realize that and, and overcome that and go, right, you know, one of my good friends here is telling me this. I'm also getting, I'm hearing it from this other person. I don't believe it myself, but if other people are seeing it, something's got to change. I've got to try and change something here. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, that's one of the things, too. You've got to be open to people see the world differently than you. And that's the thing. You see the world differently than them. And that's fine. That's what makes everything special. But you need to respect the fact that things aren't always as they seem. And for me, that's why I am such a big believer in feedback and open communication and understanding that, you know, being told, how I'm, how people feel I am doing and what I need to improve upon. Because for me, I can see something completely different. Um, and, and that's honestly the most important thing for, for you as, as a player is to just continue to make sure you understand that there are many ways to see one situation. So if you limit yourself and close yourself off, like it's just a general theme. If you only think that your way is right and that's the only way, then you're, it's, not just on, it's not just on the field. It's in any aspect of life. 
you are closing yourself off. So if you want to experience success in anywhere, you need to be able to step back and have that, you know, understanding that there's many different viewpoints of how to see things. So you've had some, some unbelievable coaches in the past and, um, you know, I would, I would consider them sort of mentors, I guess. And uh, how important is it to have uh, good mentors and have you got any mentors that are not in coaching as well that you consider, you know, to help? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. A, a good coach is invaluable. Somebody who believes in you and is able to share insights into the game. I mean, you know, that's what will bring you to the next level. And I've been fortunate to have so many throughout my time. Um, you know, right now I'm playing for Yapstam and that man is perhaps one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just a matter of being like a sponge, absorbing everything that is being told and understanding that there's also not one right way to do things. And that's been a big thing in terms of goalkeeping with Jack Stern, who's one of the best there is. He's our goalkeeper coach at Cincy is that the understanding that there are different variations and different unique ways to do things and understanding that that doesn't make any one of them right. And another one wrong, if it's working for you and that's, what's right. then that's how to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, mentors for me, I've got a whole bunch and that's the large part to do with why I've gotten to where I am, but also outside of soccer. I mean, there's mentors in just in life, you know, obviously my father and my mother are both mentors for me and they, they were the first people to believe in me. And they're the, they're, they're the ones that have been here since day one. Um, and you know, those are important pieces of who I am. And I'm sure that anybody listening to that can also relate to that. Yeah, of course. So I'm going to switch over a little bit to uh, sort of happiness. Um, and then also, uh, I want to touch on some things that you've maybe struggled with in the past as well, mentally that you've, that you've really struggled with. So let's start off with that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it. I mean, happiness for me, it's, it's tough to define happiness. And it's taken me a very long time to kind of come to the point where I feel like I have an understanding of what it is per se. Um, what, what would you want to speak about in terms of happiness the way I see it? Well, what would you like me to focus on? Um, day-to-day happiness um, and then also uh, over time and then also uh, whenever you've gone through some challenges, how that's affected your happiness as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, day-to-day happiness um, is is an internal thing. It's not an external thing. Um, and the only parts that you need to worry about are the internal parts. If you see happiness as something that happens externally, is this, you know, you're only going to be happy if the universe is working for you and you have a good day and all things go right, then like you're just setting yourself up to be unhappy because that won't happen. The universe will not always be in your favor. That's just the way that life works. You need to be able to find happiness while things are not necessarily going your way. Um, and for me, my day-to-day happiness, you know, especially this past year has been really, was really great in my opinion. And it would be easy for me to say, oh, well, that's just because you signed a professional soccer contract with Cincinnati. I'm like, that might be part of it, but there's also a piece of um, the steady progress and the enjoyment I've had in this, this continuation of my career. Um, to be to be in love with this game and to be able to continue to chip away and improve and see this past this path of self growth um, has been really fulfilling. It's something that you know makes me want to continue to push down the same path. 
Um, but in terms of my career that we spoke before, I don't measure happiness in terms of if I'm doing really well or if I have a good week of training. And that's sometimes really hard to separate too because it's just a natural instinct. Like, you know, it's, it, it feels good to do well and it feels bad to do poorly, but you need to have a clear break between, you can be upset about that, but then once you leave, you need to be able to still be happy outside of your career. And for me, I've struggled with that in the past. You know, I've let myself get too high in the highs and then too low in the lows because it felt like I was on top of the world when things would go right. And then it felt like everything in my life was crashing down when things would go wrong. And it would just be a really dark place. And mentally, that's just not healthy for anybody. Um, so for me now, it's definitely been a, a lot more of a trying to focus on the even keeled. And there is the appreciation for happiness. But the the happiness aspect and the last thing, because we could we could talk about this for a good while. <laughs> the last thing about happiness that I've really focused on too is happiness only exists uh, with sadness as its counterpart and with, with unhappy feelings, because you need to appreciate the fact that if it, if everything were happy, happy wouldn't be a thing. You know, you need to understand that when you do feel sad and when things aren't necessarily going great, that that's okay because that's a part of life and that it won't be like that forever. You won't always be unhappy and you won't always be happy. You will always be kind of balancing. So just appreciate the, the rain and that will make it better when the sun comes out, you know, as cheesy as a singing might be. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head and especially when you're talking about uh, having that internal control uh, of your emotions. I think a lot of people do let their, um, you know, out, out stereo, out, I don't even know what I'm saying there, but <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, affect them. And um, even for, I, I go back to even me when I was growing up in England and I used to let the rain affect me <laughs> as simple as it is. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's like, right, I'm not in control of that. Why am I going to let that, you know, affect me negatively? So um, it leads me on to uh, luck versus hard work. Uh, what, you know, what do you, what's your output on, on luck? What's your output on, on hard work? A uh, bit of both, you know, talk to me about that. Yeah, you need a bit of both, 100%. Um, you know, I'm not going to be one that just says it's one way or the other. Um, you know, I've worked incredibly hard uh, throughout my entire career, but I've also gotten a lot of lucky breaks, which is just a part of the way it works. And in terms of luck, you know, there is the saying that you manifest your own luck, which I do believe. Um, but I think that more of what that saying is trying to be said there is that when your opportunities are presented, you are ready to take them. Um, because there are little moments here and there that will define everything in your, your career. And you might not even be aware of them, but being prepared in those moments will make or break your luck. So I'll give you an example. And it's just the way that everything kind of has worked out for me is that the, before the first summer I went to South Carolina, um, I was scouted to the team by playing down at Charleston with my, my, my college Monmouth University when we were in a showcase against College Charleston and Georgia Southern because the Georgia Southern goalkeeper coach was at the time the goalkeeper coach for the team in South Carolina at Bantams. Um, and I had a stellar game playing against Georgia Southern. We won one nothing. Uh, and it was after that that the goalkeeper coach had scouted me for the team and he saw my potential. And I had no idea about that. I wasn't aware that that was happening. Um, but that was how I got my foot in the door with, with South Carolina United Bantams. 
And because of that, the way it worked out, I then spent two summers there where I grew exponentially. And then that second summer in South Carolina is what set me up for the growth to go to Porterdown in Northern Ireland. And from there, again, to push on to the MLS. So like you can do, you can connect these dots in terms of look back to this one time where this one guy happened to be watching me in this one game. And because of that, all these things had a domino effect into, into a different pathway. And now I'm here. And obviously things could have gone completely different ways. I'm not saying that's the only way, but it's that little bit of luck that was met with hard work and preparation. And that's when amazing things can kind of happen. Yeah. So, um, you know, sort of just to slowly start wrapping this up, uh, what, what would you say some of the, the biggest takeaways that you could pass on to others? If you had a few words of wisdom that you can pass on to um, sort of any, you know, anyone with any age and just to quickly, you know, shout out, how old are you? I am 25. 25 again. So, you know, you're, you're mid 20s. Um, but just to pass on some some words of wisdom to players that are aspiring to become professionals, even people in their day-to-day lives as well. Yeah, I would honestly just focus on the ability to connect and manage people, the ability to be somebody that makes an impression to somebody that is able to have a bit of a charisma um, on somebody um, is so important. This is a game of, this is a game played by human beings and you can't get away from that. No matter how talented you are, this game is meant for human beings and human beings have emotions. And so you as a personality is something that will be powerful and it's a powerful tool for you. Uh, and I think for me, one of my strong suits has been my ability to have a, a bit of a personality, somebody that you know, guys want in the locker room because I'm somebody that has a little bit about them. You know, I'm not just somebody that's going to show up, do my thing and leave. I'm somebody that makes stuff enjoyable. Um, and in terms of that, it's, it's the little things we spoke about before is that you're a good teammate. You're somebody who's, who's harboring good team culture, pushing each other, representing the club well. If you're somebody that's, you know, going to be getting in trouble outside of when you're going home, um, you're not going to be somebody that a club wants to have. You know, if you're somebody that's, going out and you're on a college team and then you're failing all your classes, you aren't going to be somebody that the coach wants on the team because you're not a good representation. So especially for me, and not just because I, I want to be this person because I genuinely am, but you know, it's important for me that I'm a good representation of what FC Cincinnati is, is because I want to make sure that that is an identity I have. I want to make sure that that is part of my value. So yeah, I'd honestly just say, the little things that aren't necessarily always stressed because I feel like in modern game, everyone's always talking tactics and skill and technique, which I guess they are important, but so often are overlooked are the toxic traits of personality where people don't realize that this will cost them. If you're just a selfish teammate and nobody wants to deal with you, it doesn't really matter how good you are because people can't stand being around you. So if you've got to be a good team guy, a good person, and that will experience success for you. And it, yeah, it, I feel like it will experience success for you, but also, you know, it will rub off on your team, your teammates as well. They're going to want to, you know, play with you if you're in a business or if you're uh, even just in a classroom setting, people are going to want to work with you. Um, and, and yeah, you're going to bring off this, this great sort of vibe that you're going to pass on to others as well. Um, so Bobby, 
what is one thing that people you know may not know about you one thing that people may not know about me i would say that i am a massive softie for dogs and that like i i think that is the one thing that I may love just as much as soccer is is my four-legged friends. And I have, I have two golden doodles back home in Jersey. They are my life and everything. But <laughs> I fully, as soon as I feel like I am ready to settle down a little bit in this career, I am going out and I am, I am buying a, a new four-legged friend. Oh, I love it. That's cool. That's cool. I think a lot of people can relate to you with that. I, I hope so. I hope so. Um, no, so Bobby, thank you so much for, for your time. Um, I think that that was a great, great conversation that I think a lot of people are going to take um, some pieces of advice away and start applying into their life, into their lives straight away. And um, I'm really excited that we were able to do this, you know, after your, your big debut last night. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm sure some people are going to be following your journey even more now. And I can't wait for, uh, a year down the line, two years down the line to see, you know, where Bobby Edwards goes, not just in the, in the soccer realm, but also just in life in general. I, I know that you're going to do very well. So um, thanks again for your time. And, um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, guys, um, again, you know, great conversation. Uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm really excited about having some more interviews going forward. Uh, I've got some other people lined up, which I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, yeah, just one thing that I can ask, if you do take anything away from this, please do share with other people. Put, you know, Send it to your friends in WhatsApp groups, put it on your stories, do whatever you can to, to spread this message because I think it's going to overall impact a lot of people's lives. So thank you again for listening. Thank you, Bobby, and uh, everyone have a great day, evening, morning, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Sam. It's great to talk to you. Thank you.